Hi, I'm Jay John. On this week's podcast, my guest is Dominic Muir, a street preacher. Dominic Muir, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you, it's an honour to be here. Dominic, yes. tell us about your story. When did you encounter Jesus? When I was 26 years old, so 18 years ago. And, and what were you like prior to becoming a follower of Jesus? Well, uh, when I give my testimony, I, I often describe myself as a sort of classic white middle class ex-public school dude. Um, I had uh, a good upbringing with a bit of religion in there. My dad was sort of high Catholic, mum, low Anglican. So a bit of a church going uh, upbringing, blessed. But by the time I hit my teens, it wasn't enough to keep me. I didn't have, I'd never experienced the Holy Spirit. I didn't really know much about Jesus. So university was a kind of hedonistic haze for me, very much about um, having fun and um, being popular. That was a big thing. And But I, I would meet Christians, what I would call the sort of the real ones, the ones who prayed in their rooms on a Wednesday night and did strange things like that. They had that kind of, um, glow of um, revelation or something and I was I was drawn to them but slightly repulsed by them at the same time uh, if I'm honest and so you were aware that they carried something but but it made you feel uncomfortable yeah they carried conviction they carried um, a, a love for my soul which was both attractive but also a bit unnerving. Why did they care so much about my soul? You know, no one did. We cared about getting drunk. We cared about what clothes we were wearing at that age or whether we'd finished our essay on time. But why did they, what were they looking for in me? So it was both beautiful, but also too much, I think. I would meet people like that. And I think, you know, as an adult, away from school, away from the ritual of chapel and the things you had to do, in my case, uh, at public school, it was suddenly um, refreshing, and I think I think convicting. I was making some poor choices. I, I was probably carrying more and more guilt and shame, um, without necessarily admitting it. And so, to meet people who were taking the time to give me Why Jesus leaflets and drop books through my letterbox was um, it definitely marked me. I wasn't ready to. I remember all of the books they gave me sat under my bed kind of gathering dust but it was definitely as people talk about you know it takes six or seven times sometimes they were the first ones and so move on from there it was thrown into the job world in London and um, was in the corporate world for a little bit going after money going after I would say the the altars I worshipped at um, at that time in my life was sort of the job the salary the business card trying to make it really, trying to, what I often say in retrospect, justify my life, you know, cover my Adamic nakedness without yes. sounding too, you know, highfalutin. Um, that, and so that, that carried me through a, a few years. And then I was in the film industry for a little bit, which was great and creative, but also a little bit of a cowboy industry in some ways. And I would be I mean, I was offered cocaine off the boardroom table on my first day at work at a very well-respected film production company by the managing director. 
I didn't need to give any more information. But so it was, that was suddenly quite, I was in this world where the moral uh, standards were all over the place. And I think more and more the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about the choices I was making, the integrity or lack of integrity that was forming in my life. And then an old friend who I'd known sort of throughout university days had had this born again experience where they'd gone, had a sort of Damascene blindness come over them as the Holy Spirit touched them. And I'd been appalled to hear this because this was a girl who was intelligent and pretty. And as far as I was concerned at that time in my sort of pride, um, that didn't happen. Christianity was for weak people who um, weren't intelligent. And so, so again, I was. I had to meet her and see how she was. And and when I and when I when I met her, uh, again, I saw that that light and that glow of revelation and love, and something had changed. And I think that was a big turning point. And then I went on Alpha. During the course, you had this encounter with Jesus. Tell us about the actual encounter. Yeah. So I did the course again. It was it was the mix of the the, the, the paradox of. Um, excitement and and fear and begrudging and because I I was scared of um, people who did alpha they went on it and their lives turned upside down and I didn't want that to happen uh, even though I wasn't enjoying my life I didn't want to become what I thought I a born again Christian was so on the on the weekend away I remember fighting about whether I would go on it anyway I ended up on it and. It, it, it was well positioned in the course insofar as it was an opportunity to actually turn your questions and, um, if you like, uh, the debating side to actually saying a prayer, to actually putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak. So I, um, I realized I was ready to do that. Um, and I, was, I, I came to a place of surrender of saying to God, actually, this isn't about me and my rights anymore and having everything my way um, I want to know if you're real and so I repented and asked for forgiveness and said here I am Lord take me I didn't go forward there was an opportunity to go forward for prayer I found that again too much but I stood at the back of this room and closed my eyes didn't pray out loud either I just in my heart just surrendered and in that moment a physical hand touched my shoulder, my right shoulder, and fire, liquid fire, and joy, and glory, and love just permeated every part that is Dominic Muir. And my heart just erupted, and I was sort of holding back the tears, and the hand lifted, and the fire lifted, and then the hand touched again, physical hand, and just liquid glory fire went straight through me. And I I sort of lost power in my legs and sort of crumpled to the floor in, in tears. And that was it. And I felt uh, the voice of God say, I've been waiting here all along. I'm so glad you've come. Amazing. And incredible. And it, and it was amazing. Yeah, just black and white to color, death to life. Everything was alive. I was, it was stunning. It was, it was coming home. And quite quickly afterwards, there was this sense of how have I gone 26 years without more people telling me about this God. I've been in church year upon year, Easter, Christmas, weddings, chapel, morning after morning, 
And no disrespect, maybe I was just asleep in all of them, but this was so huge. This was God through Jesus. I was experiencing salvation, the greatest love I'd looked. I'd looked for this love in all the wrong places, the peace I'd looked for, knowing that death was over. I had the whole thing came in this encounter when I repented and turned to the Lord. So this evangelistic unction, for want of a better word, zeal was quite quickly born in me. I was, there was a sort of righteous indignation, a jealousy. Why isn't this on the front page of the newspapers? And I'm sure evangelists listening can relate, or, or just anyone really who's met God. And so that was born on that day. Yeah, and just this passion and this compassion to tell others about Jesus. And you've been doing that ever since. Trying to, yeah. And one of the ways that you do it, that you feel very passionate about doing it, is as a street preacher, as a street evangelist. How did you start doing that? When did you start preaching on the streets? Good question. So I actually always had a problem with street preachers because I felt like it was really unglamorous, never looked very successful. Um, Some of what I'd seen of how it was done, I felt was just bad as well in in honesty Um, you know sometimes inappropriate or insensitive yeah it just it didn't feel like it was that loving it didn't feel that anointed maybe um a bit condemning you know some of those caricatures were true for me um so i didn't want to be a street preacher absolutely not um the more i fell in love with the lord the more i read the bible i became convicted that there's a lot in there in terms of commands, in terms of the commission, in terms of what those guys got up to in the book of Acts that I wasn't doing. And I didn't see it going on that much around me. So I felt like actually I need to own this and start it and just start trying it. So that birthed quite a lot in in my ministry, so to speak, going after deliverance, praying for the sick, um, just pressing into some of that stuff. And then um, this word preach, began to really hit home to me. I say the, the Lord was beginning to, beginning to put his finger on this word preach, this Greek word caruso. And I thought, well, you know, why does it say preach so often? Why did God use this word preach? And, uh, and of course, we know that it happens in church, but it doesn't happen so much in church in the New Testament. It seems to happen in public places. It seems to happen in homes. And it's a little bit more out there. And so I looked it up in the Greek and it says proclaim in the manner of a herald with a formality, with a gravitas, a bit like a town crier. That's right. And then, of course, you know, as often as the case when the, the Lord is uh, leading us, I was into the, the testimonies of old. I was reading about great revivals and Wesley and Whitfield and these different people throughout church history, Patrick's and Patrick. And I was thinking, is this thing dead for now? Is it irrelevant now? Is it inappropriate? Or is the call ever dead? Or can it, can it be revived? Is the anointing always what ultimately matters rather than the context? And so there was a huge wrestle going on, if, I, if I'm honest with you. I even asked people and they said, no, it's an old wineskin and, you know, we need to come at it at a different angle. And, you know, I've, I've gone on a journey, I suppose, in my mind and in understanding uh, how we do it. And actually, whenever you preach the truth in love, you've done a great thing. God, it's God who does the convicting. It's God who's told us to go out and preach the gospel. It's, 
we're just messengers. We're fools for Christ, but his word doesn't return void. And so for me, that's deeply exciting. And also, um, if I hope I'm not going on too long here, I really believe it's an important witness for the church, not just for the lost to hear, but for the church to see a bold witness of the gospel in the public space at a time of great uh, intimidation, um, in some cases, sadly, watering down of the truths, the, the, the eternal truths of God, that actually someone would just see someone, even if no one's listening, to see someone in a public space proclaiming the word of God. It really encourages people, I must say. Yeah. It's been a, that's been a joy to me. And you're, you're a proclaimer of the good news. Well, there's a lot of um, viewers listening in at the moment, Dominic. Why don't you preach to us now, preach to our viewers now, one of those messages that you preach out on the streets? Mm, put on the spot. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Jesus, whoever calls on the name of Jesus, will not ultimately die, but will have everlasting life. My friends, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're sitting, I want to tell you the wonderful news that, first of all, there is a God, that you are not an accident. As you listen to my voice here, as you listen to J.J. and I, you're not just a statistic, but you're known by God. You're named by him. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're worried about. And he loves you. And this God that I'm talking to you about today is a good God. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. And he's also a holy God. And the trouble is, many of, there may be people listening right now. You don't know this God intimately. You've maybe heard about this God. But, and that's because we live in a world that is cursed. We live in a world that has uh, rebelled against God. Our ancestors have rebelled and we live in a world that is marred by sin. And you see the evidence of sin everywhere. You see addiction, you see corruption, you see uh, perversion, you see sickness. You know, uh, uh, the, the evidence of, of, of Satan and his kingdom is all around us if we'll look. But the good news is, Jesus Christ came to save us. God had a plan from eternity and Jesus came to die on a cross. He took our sin. He took your sin and my sin. He took the judgment that we deserve onto himself so that we could have his righteousness. He was beaten in our place so that we could be healed. He was punished so that we could be acquitted. And I want to say to anyone listening today that God is speaking to you. And if you've never come home to the Lord, you can open your heart to him today. You can call on his name and he's ready to come home, just like you've heard the experience that I told just now, or given I'm doing a, a preach. Uh, 18 years ago, I had an encounter with the love of God. This is not just rhetoric to me. This is not just um, religion. This isn't a popular message that, that I will bring. It doesn't pay an enormous amount of money. But when you meet God, when you meet with his love, when you know that death has lost its sting, all you want to do is tell people. And so with the love that he touched me, he wants to do that with you. He wants to make you a child of God. All you need to do is repent, change the direction of your life, and believe. It's not about oh, how many good works we do. It's not about going to a church building. It's simply by believing in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and receiving that like a child. So may that happen in your life. God bless you. He loves you. I love you. And uh, 
Yeah, something like that. If Okay, Dominic, if any of our viewers would like to receive Jesus or come back having mm. had time out from following him, would you lead um, us in a prayer to make that possible? I'd love to. So I'm going to say a prayer which is, um, it says three things ultimately. It says thank you to Jesus for dying on the cross for us. It says sorry for, uh, to God for what we've done wrong, the things we've done wrong, for not trusting him in making him God of our lives. And finally, please come into my life, fill me with your spirit, and lead me on from here. So let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for me. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. Please forgive me for my sins. Just take a moment in your heart if there's anything particularly pressing. Just give that to the cross. Give that to the Lord. Lord, I turn away from my old life and I give my life to you. Jesus, I make you Lord and Savior of my life today. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you did pray that prayer, wonderful. And we want to encourage you on your journey of faith. Uh, please visit my website, canonjjohn.com, and there you'll be able to read a little booklet that I've written, Making the Connection. And can I encourage you to read that, as that will just help reinforce what you heard Dominic say, but also encourage you on further. May I pray for you too. Lord, we pray for everyone that prayed that prayer, that they would know the truth and the reality of the prayer prayed. And we pray that they will know your peace, they will know your presence, and they will know your protection as they endeavour to build their lives on you. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Dominic, you're out there preaching in the streets. It's not always easy. You have had confrontations and you have had some resistance, including resistance from the police. Can you tell us about one of those incidences? Yeah, sure. So there was this one time recently in lockdown where I felt more than ever there needs to be a gospel witness out, in, out there in the streets. And uh, uh, so one morning, beautiful sunny morning, I thought I'll go to Blandford Forum in Dorset and I'll ch I checked online uh, the Prime Minister's guidelines for whether it was allowed and uh, whether I was an essential worker. And I'm CEO of a charity which specializes in, in evangelism. So I was doing my job. So out I went in my pickup truck, which is uh, like a mobile stage. It's like a normal farmyard pickup truck, but it's great because you can stand on the back and just preach, preach the gospel, sing, give your testimony, and that's what I tend to do. So there I was in the market square of Blandford Forum, started with Amazing Grace and then went into John 3.16 and the gospel. And I, out of the corner of my eye, saw a policeman approaching and he had that slight air of confrontation as opposed to 
oh, I'm looking forward to hearing this message myself, which sometimes they will. And um, sure enough, he tapped on the vehicle and said, you're not supposed to be doing that here. It's not allowed. And I said, well, I've funnily, you should say that because I went online this morning and I checked specially. And um, as far as I'm aware, I'm doing my job. It's uh, uh, essential work from that, that point of view. And um, we, we agreed on a, a compromise and he gave me, uh, I think it was three and a half minutes or something like that to, to finish my message. And then uh, I think the message, um, either I went on too long or it was too provocative and he actually mounted my vehicle, put me in a half Nelson and uh, was very angry with me. And that's when I had the joy of getting in touch with Christian Concern and saying, this doesn't feel right. I was, I'd done, I'd checked what I was allowed to do. I was preaching the gospel, freedom of speech. People were listening and being blessed. This can't be right. And sure enough, they helped me and we ended up with a out of court settlement and the police paid me some damages. And it was a real victory. It was a victory for free speech. It was a victory for the spreading of the gospel. And, and I think it was probably actually a helpful calling back into line for the police. So. That was, that was one example. And, uh, you know, I say to people that uh, it's important we, we pray for the police. They're, they're, traditionally, they're on our side. You know, they're there to protect our freedoms. And most of the time, they, they're doing that. And so uh, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fine balance. But ultimately, we are called as Christians to obey God and not man and to fear God and not fear man and to carry out the Great Commission, which has eternal ramifications. What I really like about you and your wife, uh, Thea, uh, Dominic, is that you're, um, you're very passionate about Jesus, passionate about sharing the message of Jesus with others, and you pursue uh, and are pursuers of the presence of God. And uh, you've come up with all sorts of other ministries within the ministry, haven't you? Like, for example, David's Tent. Tell us about that. Uh, well, David's Tent uh, was a dream that started in 2011 when I remember my brother came back from a, a secular co uh, concert, sort of festival, and these guys throw themselves in for four days and it's, it's all in. They come back, you know, needing to sleep for a week. And I, and I thought to myself, there's something of uh, the, 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 the adventure, the passion that, that is possibly missing from the mainstream Christian conference thing. And I, and I, and I was at a, in a time in my walk with the Lord where um, the kind of Davidic anointing, 24-7 um, worship, going deeper into the things of God, particularly through worship, was, was pressing on my heart. And so I wanted to make room for, for longer times of worship and a particular anointing that was, I suppose, primarily coming out of America, so various worship leaders. And we put on this event and just said, we're going to do 72 hours, three days of, of nonstop worship and just go deeper and deeper into the presence of God. Um, you know, maybe the metaphor of, you know, there's the ankle deep and then there's just going deeper and yes. deeper. And so that's so what, it's continuous worship. Yeah, it's and continuous. People just soak in the worship. They soak in the worship. There are some breakout tents you can go to, and of course, just gathering together. But the, it, for me, it was about providing a a place of um, deeper encounter with God, where you know sometimes you do need to limit things, and the preach has to happen, and then people have to go off. But what if they they don't want to? What if after three songs, four songs, you just want to keep going deeper? And it's about that radical heart and pursuit of God in worship. 
And you've been doing that now how often? Well, I actually, I did that for two years as leader and then I handed it over. That's still going. And that's been going about 10, 11 years now, ever since whenever, 2012, 2011, 2012. Uh, and now we have something called Jesus Fields, which is, yes. is similar in, in, in some respects, except our part of the vision there is to have everyone who comes to the event come out on the streets. So actually, uh, in Amos, where it talks about rebuilding the Tabernacle of David, he, the prophecy then goes on to say, to win back Edom. And so really, out of encounter isn't just for the sake of encounter. What's wonderful about when you encounter God at a deeper level is you can't ultimately keep it in. He will do a work in you, and it'll come out somehow. But we, with Jesus Fields, we like to take that, that same passionate pursuit of God's presence, um, uh, a love for God's word. So our tagline is uh, the spirit of God without measure, the, uh, the word of God without compromise and mission without limit. So we, we want to get into the meat of the word. We want to have people who are preaching the harder stuff, the stuff that maybe is a bit avoided because it's offensive or politically incorrect and actually really grow as radical disciples of Jesus. But then within that same festival, get people out on the streets. Maybe people who've never done that, they're embarrassed by it. I mean, we've all got flesh, right? We've all got those issues. Of, and so it's taking 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 people onto the streets, putting a stage up, having the gospel preached, chairs people can sit in and just touching a local town as well, just going after the lost and making that part of our normal Christian life more and more. I, I love the boldness. You've, you and your wife have produced a number uh, of, re, of resources. And um, a, again, very firebrand. I love that. What, go and tell me, what's this about? Well, I think, you know, people, the Lord moves in, in our lives in different ways. And, and you could say that the, the elements, water, wind, fire, for me, fire has been, you know, when I met the Lord, it was the main sense was fire. And of course, uh, um, I, John the Baptist speaks of Jesus. He will anoint you with the Holy Spirit and fire or baptize you actually with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so for me, I, I really believe that, um, we need a move of, of, of this, the spirit of Elijah in, in this country. Uh, and we need the fire of God back in the pulpits and out on the streets. And so uh, John Wesley, one of my heroes again, he was a, 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 a brand plucked from the burning. And the, he, he would say, you know, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. And I really believe we need to be burning ones in this hour, burning with a love for Jesus, burning with a heart for the lost. And so firebrand is my story. Uh, it's my testimony in a bit more detail than you've heard today. And it's also 121 teachings to equip uh, disciples for radical frontline apostolic ministry. And God hunger. Again, this is all about pursuing, isn't it? God. Yeah, yeah just first and... love, hunger. And um, uh, just, yeah, just p being pulled after him, pursuing him. I love your passion. Uh, Dominic, I love your zeal for pursuing God. Thank you, Dominic, for joining us on Facing the Canon. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a joy. But that's it, isn't it? Connecting with Jesus and knowing his redemptive grace and then being passionate about telling others about Jesus and that zeal to pursue the presence of God. I, I hope you've picked up something of that 
today. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again next week. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world, and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognize family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.